an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 790. What's on the community corkboard? All sorts of fun stuff. You want to go first? Yeah. Jacqueline Novak, who is a hilarious comedian and all-around cool person Agreed. has a new book called how to weep in public feeble offerings on depression from one who knows it's out now and she's really she's really funny she's been on you made it weird talking about her depression and she really does make it funny and interesting and informative so definitely check it out excellent what else uh i am running a show on nerd melt on march 11th at 9 p.m called retro rad and it's uh, me and caitlin durante and we are going through old it's basically obscure media on reddit but as a show uh, where we're throwing, showing just crazy clips from old TV shows, and then we do a win Ben Stein's money contest where we have the audience and our guests and everybody else compete against me in a trivia contest. And the trivia contest is actually just about jokes from Ben, win Stein's, ben Stein's money. money. It's a lot of Jimmy Kimmel work. Stay away from it. It was very, so very niche, but I <laughs> it's enjoy it. Like it's in the, the theater in the back of a comic book store. <laughs> Matt, do you have a community court board item? I do indeed, Christopher. What, what is it, Matthew? On Saturday, March 12, 2016. At South by Southwest. In Austin, Texas? Yes. At 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., the Jonah Carey podcast. Hey, that's on the Nerdist Sports. Yes, that is absolutely right. We'll be there. I will be there with Jonah, co-hosting some sports garbage talk. Phoebe's Matt Myra? Phoebe's Matt Myra will be there. Uh, Come out. It's at... uh, I like James Bonding's Matt Myra. I prefer (laughs) the Frasier one. It's at Drinks Lounge, everybody. (laughs) Drinks Lounge in Austin, Texas. That's uh, 2001 East Cesar Chavez Street. Uh, Come see us. 7 p.m. March 12th. The Jonah Carey Podcast. There's gonna be beer. There's gonna be me. There's gonna be Jonah Carey. There's gonna be uh, That's about fun. It. Just fun. Just you, you squeeze a lot of juice out of that. And, and then you can also listen to the podcast on the Nerdist Network yeah. here That's every right. Friday. I'm going to be right. doing a beta. Is that everything? I don't want to cut you off. That's, that's pretty much it. Good. You have a good time. <laughs> Check it out uh, yeah, I'll see you down there because we're doing, we're doing the live ner- um, at midnight show the Friday, Ooh. Uh, which is Friday the 11th Friday. at South By. At 9 p.m. Uh, we seem to be doing, uh, we're at Parish is the name of the <laughs> we venue. We seem to be doing <laughs> I couldn't remember the name. The, and I looked it up real fast. It appears we're doing an event. Uh, if if calendar is correct, now we're going to be doing a, a live at midnight just for Periscope. Oh, nice. So it's not going to air on Comedy Central. I, we're just going to do it on Periscope. I'm sad that I can't be there to see that. That would be great. I'm sad that you can't be there too, but you're moderating a really cool panel. So, I am. Uh, so that'll be fun. Look, at, they uh, sold out, so you can't come see my panels. What's your panel that we can't go it's, to? It's uh, Vice Principals, the new show uh, from Danny McBride. Oh, nice. With the Goggins. 
it's supposed to be a hoot. I get to see it this week. They'll send me a link. They're still editing right now, but uh-huh. uh, I'll be prepared to. Yeah, so with the spillover of people who didn't get into that, come to see At Midnight. Mm-hmm. I I think there's going to be some uh, fantastic comedians there that are relevant to your At Midnight interests, and we're doing it all on Periscope. And then also, um, March 15th, that's a Tuesday, different than we normally do, beta test at Meltdown, 9 p.m. Go to nerdmeltla.com. Why are yeah, we doing it Tuesday? Because the Monday night show, I didn't want to boot. I think uh, I think maybe Andy Kindler's doing a show oh, on that Monday. You wouldn't hear wanna, the end of it. Didn't want to boot him off. Even though I, I could have, <laughs> I would never do that. Hear me out. So we're doing... Line down, uh, sitcom style, down the stage. You both do your shows simultaneously. He was so funny at the improv last week. Oh I, I did do a show at the improv with Kindler oh and Dana God. Gould and Laura Keitlinger. And Ooh, Kindler, and they were all amazing. And Louie dropped in. And Andy is so fucking funny. He kills, you, kills you, me. You, you, the, but putting a line down the middle for separate comedy shows, you just essentially described what happens at Just for Laughs in Toronto when Todd Glass and Andy Kindler do a show together <laughs> at the comedy bar. It's the best. Uh, very, very excited about this podcast. This is uh, Michael Showalter and Sally Field. What? Yes, I know. Uh, the movie is called Hello, My Name is Doris, which is a movie that Showalter uh, co-wrote and directed. And Sally Field is the star, and she plays Doris. Uh, the movie is delightful and heartbreaking and wonderful and funny, and there's a lot of great Kumails in it. There's a lot of great people in it that you recognize. Uh, that is in theaters March 11th in L.A. and New York. Wide release March 18th. Go support good film. Do it. My name is Doris. Sally Field, uh, amazing in the film, wonderful on this podcast. And so here we go, the Nerdist Podcast number 790 with Sally Field and Michael Show. Wait, one more thing to add about that Jonah Carey podcast. I just read, (laughs) no badge required. And it's free. Or jacket. And there's free beer. So just go to that. So Phil Collins lovers will appreciate it. I don't have a badge or jacket. I'm having a great day. All right, good. Just (laughs) Sousa Studio. You just made it in. Oh, thank God. <laughs> throw, me, throw me the whip. I throw you the idol. Oh. <laughs> Katie. Katie, roll the thing. Now entering Nerdist.com. Why are you hungry? No, I'm fine. <laughs> did we feed you pretzels? Uh, we did. Thank you, Kyle. No problem. I'm not feeding Sam. That is the yeah. kind of professional organization that I didn't realize we, <laughs> we could have capacity we could have done. He went. <laughs> he went. Uh, he went over to At Midnight and stole them from Craft Services. That's did you what, steal them from At Midnight? I sure did. Ah, uh, thank you. And I, when I when I realized that he was going over there, I was like, "Well, then get me some fruit and some other stuff." Oh yeah, yeah. Our you, craft Services. But you is were gone before. Uh, you were gone. It's from, a shoot day. So it's oh. do you want me to send Kyle on a fruit run? What do you want? A pear, an apple, an orange? I'm a big fan of watermelon, cantaloupe. Good God, people! Just <laughs> any sort of a citrus. Any I've been on kind of a great grapefruit thing, and you can go to lately. lunch. <laughs> My goodness, we're asking these well, people. Well, I'm hoping to they have you. a really good food spread at our. I've next, known Showalter for next. probably 20 years, so course, yeah. I, it doesn't mind. I don't mind. Everybody does it. All these people, hordes of people coming up to him. Like I've known him since I can't. It's like, okay. Chris and I were at MTV when MTV was. Yeah, there MTV. you go. In the 1900s. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's right. Really? All the, the way 19, back in then? The All the way back in the 1900s when um, kids had to watch TV when it aired. Now it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and when Full House was just when Full, Full House. When Full House was oh. in its initial <laughs> run. First run, Full House. We just met the Tanner family. Yeah. Yeah, we were yeah. Yeah, years ago at MTV. I don't expect, I would never expect you to remember this, but of course I remember it. Oh, dear. Um, I was uh, flying back from Memphis in 2013, and you were sitting across the aisle. You were coming back from Memphis. I was in Memphis? You were in Memphis, and this might trigger... Was I drunk? Uh, I don't know. You slapped the stewardess <laughs> and said, uh, where's my ham? I don't know what that meant. Yeah, uh, it was a secret code we had between each other. <laughs> Maybe you'll remember this. When we landed at LAX, the airport was shut down because someone had run a truck into one of the parking structures. Oh, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. But what the hell was I doing? In Memphis, that it was a, I might have been was I I was promoting. I was in the midst of promoting, I think. I, I think that's promoting. great. Not that many people go to Memphis to promote anything. So that... I, I know. I, I think I must have been diverted from someplace else. I don't know. <laughs> that's the more likely I don't scenario. know what I was doing. Could have been visiting Graceland. Could Graceland been... or the Civil Rights Museum. Yeah. Wait a minute. I was. I was. I was there with you. Yes, I was. That's exactly what, what, what were I you was. doing? I was, prom- I, we were getting the promotion for Lincoln, I believe it was. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, we give a speech. I had to give a speech, a speech somewhere. Well, I'm glad. I hope it went better than when we landed. When we landed, they someone had. I know you remember that. You couldn't get out. It of was the crazy, airport. and you and I went some circuitous route, wasn't yes. it? And yes. we said, "Let's take this route." Oh, wait, we, you, guys you and I, out? we were going down the, the, wait, wait, the you guys tunnels. Yes, hung out? we were. We were going down the tunnels together, saying, "Don't you think we could get out this way?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's amazing that you remember that. It was a whole movie. We could. It was a whole. That. Yeah, and it was. It was. We went down the tunnels, and everybody else was just huddled and taking the no for an answer. And I said, "Let's not take no for an answer." I think we should actually see if we can get all the surveillance footage. And just cut that together as I a movie. Think, I think that was a movie. Okay, because it was called Escaping the Airport. Escaping Airport. Can I put that on my IMDb page? Absolutely. That'd be really great. Because then I had to. I had to, didn't you ultimately walk out of the airport? All I had to walk out of the airport altogether onto Sepulveda Boulevard. Yes. And and get a cab. Yeah. We, and, and then the cab was right said away. he was going to charge me too much, and I demanded he let me out. <laughs> So you remember I a, everything. I had a hissy fit. I demanded he let me out immediately. He, he, was, he was giving you what's known well, now as surge pricing. He was. He saw that there was a problem and everybody was trying to get a cab and I got it at the hotel there. And he was going to charge me like $150 to drive like, you know, into Brentwood. I mean, it was crazy. I wasn't even do you think he? Do you think he... Do you think he identified you as Oscar No, he Alex just, he just thought like, I was a hot one, you know, like <laughs> not hot like woohoo. I mean, like ready to shell out whatever needed yeah. to be shelled out. I, I said, maybe both. Maybe he thought both. Yeah, we got stuck in the airport for, for a while until they opened up and flooded. And we just said we had no idea. Airports I walked are usually out. where I do take no for an answer. I didn't <laughs> take no time. for an answer. That's I the one time. I did not do it. So how did you guys come together? How, how did you get involved with this? Um, well, we, we sent her the script. And begged her to do it and not thinking that she would. And then um, she I said was yes. nice enough to meet me uh, for a So you guys co- didn't know each other before? No. no. You just cold? Message kinda... in a bottle. Message, Message in a bottle. Like, like, what do I have to lose? What do I have to lose? Why not? Worst thing that can happen is she says no. Yeah. And uh, we, we met for coffee out here mm-hmm. and we, we, we hit it off. Yep, we did. And then uh, – and then the, a couple of days later, her agent and manager – I don't think you know this. No, <laughs> I don't think I Telling you little do. things you don't know. I didn't know they, that they and did they that. And they called me and I, and, and I was like – They hello. said I was thinking about it? No, no. They go, 
Sally Field's going to do your movie. <laughs> they did say that? Yes. Well, because I'd already told them. Well, they waited a couple of days to tell me. <laughs> well, that's, I, I told them And they were both, anytime you get the agent and the manager together on the phone. You know something's going it's down. almost always good news. They never want to be together when it's bad news. No one wants to deliver yeah. bad news. No. So anytime yeah. you get like the whole group on a phone call, you know it's good news. And so it was like, I have these two people for you. I don't know why I'm saying I won't say their name, but I'm not going to say their name because who knows? Who knows? Anyway, I have these two people for you and I'm going, oh my God. So let me tell you something. She's going to do your movie. <laughs> but it was they like kind of like like threatening. Like but that. we're dropping oh. you. No, it was threatening. Oh, like It was like, gosh. hey, pipsqueak. Hey, oh, pipsqueak. no. They weren't disrespectful. Not disrespectful, but it was like, hey, pipsqueak. This, you know, iconic person is going to oh, work poof. with you. That's his reading of it. They're is We're going to work with you. Don't, nice. don't F it I up. I said immediately, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. So that there wasn't any, you know. How do you pick things? Like, what, 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 what kind of feeling? What are you looking for when you? Is it reading the script or is it meeting with someone or how do you? What, what's what is your gut? How do you how do you find that? I, I, certainly, it, this is, is so unique and and s- such a wonderful character and such a unique story. It, of course, I I immediately said to to Showalter, I said, "Can we pull this off? Is this doable?" Um, because the comedy is so high. It's such romp, screwball comedy, physical, real clown comedy. And then it's, you haven't gotten that far. So I don't want to spoil it for you, but it gets Greek. I mean, it goes, <laughs> it goes sad. It gets and, very sad. And, and, it go, and, it, and it has, that has to be woven together really carefully because it's, but they're, they're butting up against each other. Um, and I constantly was saying to Michael, I, "Are we doing this? Is this is this happening? Is this blending? Are we? Is this good?" And that was exactly there. There's this face. He would just do that slow kind of nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing it. It's happening. You just keep going. After every take, I would go. That's that was it. Yeah. You'd go. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. it. Because <laughs> he sucks you in. You're like we're being sucked in now. The, the audience <laughs> is being sucked in. Oh, this is delightful and this is quirky and it seems like this guy. This there's something. I don't know. Well, maybe. I mean, it can, and then you start seeing in the background a little bit, and you're talking with the therapist, and there seems to be stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, she's coming out of her shell. The character is. I like. I was reading something about it, and it's like, you know, her smile. She can barely even smile in the beginning of the movie. It's like almost looks like it hurts her to to like you know, and but this character that Sally plays is had you know lived her whole life kind of like under the thumb of her mom and and her and and is sort of like goes to work and punches in and punches out and goes home and that's what she does every day and um and she's really really quiet and and sort of not used to interacting with people when the movie starts and then she meets this John guy Max Greenfield and she slowly comes out of her shell and and it's it's a very slow burn of watching that happen to um see this this person like kind of slowly like getting back in sort of rejoining the world a little bit how do you see her uh I, well, I think she's a borderline personality. <laughs> um, I've sort of investigated that. Uh, with uh, She's on the spectrum of will she be okay or will she not be okay, you know, 
psychologically. She's a bit of a hoarder, but I always thought, and, and Michael and I talked about this a lot, that that it was the mother that was a lot of was it was really an in house hoarder you know, locked inside and kept Doris there with her. Um, so I, I think that letting the hoarding part go, she might have been able to do perhaps more easily than her mother ever could have. Not, not that I'm letting you know that she really did let it go. But so she lives in her own fantasy world. She creates this world for herself and her whole look are all these clothes that she finds in the Goodwill or she finds on the street or she finds in the thrift shops. And she just paints pictures with herself on herself every day. But she never sees herself. It's isn't she isn't connected to the outside world enough to see herself from the outside in. And um and in her mind She's what she always was. She's, you know, 19, 20, something like that, maybe not even. Um, because I see this story as a, as a coming of age of a, of a woman of age. Um, and it, if she was ever out in the world before, open to possibilities and emotionally available, um, it, it wasn't really fully. Sure. I, I don't think even then, because her mother was alive and she, and probably she had one foot in the door of being out in the world and one foot still stuck in that childhood place that was calling her back. And then when she went back, she stayed in that shut off environment until she's in her late sixties. Yeah. She was de- developmentally stunted for a she's long time. Definitely. Yeah. But now she kind of gets to live out teenage fantasies. She becomes the 14. Don't you feel like you always think of yourself in your head that way though? Yes. That's what, you know, we talked about that a lot. I see myself still as that and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm, I'm older than that. How old <laughs> am I? And, and I'm kind of shocked sometimes going, Oh, Oh, okay. That's what I am. But, Inside you are you're you're the same. You're still the same. You're the same person you always were. You met, might have more experience, or you might have more, you know, wisdom of of how you want to be or who you are. But you're still the same person. And you started off in television very young. Mm-hmm. Was that what was what was being in TV like when you started? I mean, obviously, <laughs> the, the media, everything was entertainment was so much different. So much different. And so, what did it? Because I know you grew up in Southern California, mm-hmm. so what was it? Just well, I'm here, and there's a television industry here, so this seems like a thing I want to do. And what did it mean to be on TV at that time? Well, I think it was huge, but I, but I had a little Doris in me, and that I kept my I kept my perspective so tiny, uh, probably to save myself. I had been acting in junior high and high school when they were drama departments. I went to Birmingham High School in the San Fernando Valley. Um, and in junior high, in the seventh grade, it was called junior high, they had a theater arts department. And that's when I found the theater. But I grew up in a working class show business family. They were working class. My stepfather was a stuntman. And my mother was a, was an actress. But it was working class. So it was really a tough life. They, you know, she'd get a gig. She'd, she'd, she was, she'd be on Bonanza one week. <laughs> and then, you know, she, you wouldn't work for months and months at a time. And you didn't know where the next one was coming. And that didn't and, scare you. Oh, it scared everybody. You know, it was it was it's a very fragile existence. Um, we all know that here. It, it, it's a very difficult existence to have any sort of security. Um, I didn't expect anything different, and I wasn't even looking for it. I hardly knew where I was going or what I was doing. But I happened to 
my stepfather found me a place. I didn't even know New York existed. I'd never been out of the state. I'd never been on an airplane. I was hugely unsophisticated. Um, and I, my stepfather found me a workshop when I graduated from high school because I thought, well, okay, I, I, didn't, I didn't take the SATs. Was I going to college? No one even asked me if I was going to college. No one at school said, hey, Miss Sally, what are you going to do with yourself? I was just sort of literally falling in the cracks. It was one of those people. And um, the workshop was located at Old Columbia. I was just saying, this is like I was having deja vu. I was um, located at the Old Columbia Studios on Sunset and Gower. And the workshop was located on one of the sound stages. And when I did an audition to get into the workshop, I didn't know that the panel to get into the workshop were all casting people from television. And so the next day, um, I got into the workshop, but I also, um, there started to be some interest, like, do I have an agent? Was I? Blah, blah, blah. And when I went to my first workshop, which was the following you know, week, a casting man came out. It was at night, and I was standing on the street corner waiting for my brother to pick me up because I wasn't allowed to drive at night. I was 17. And some man walked up and said, did I want to come on an interview the next day? He was um, Eddie Boy III, the casting director for Screen Gyms, um, which was the television division of, of Columbia Pictures. And I went, sure. Um, I didn't have an agent. I wasn't. I was just out of high school. I didn't know nothing. And my stepfather, my stuntman stepfather, took me to the meeting. And I, I spent that summer of 1964 um, testing, and re- you know, just reading things and testing. It was just like, you know, a whole new world, folks. Um, and by the end of the summer, by like September, I think it was, I got the part. So Of Gidget. Of Gidget. And that was like welcome to showbiz field. <laughs> and, and also, what a, what an interesting time for television and pop culture because I think when I think about it, I didn't think of this at the time. I mean, I watched the I, I watched the reruns of the show, but I didn't think about it at the time. A show with kids running around in bikinis and bathing mm-hmm. suits was probably kind of a culture shock to where America had come out of before. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are like, it's the downfall of society. These kids have no clothes on. <laughs> well, they were incredibly strict with us. We weren't allowed to have our belly buttons show with these ridiculous two-piece bathing suits that had literally a fourth of an inch of skin showing <laughs> on your midriff. You know, yeah. it was ridiculous. Not that I, you know, was looking to show more than that. You know, we were right out of the 50s. You know, we were Is that not coming- what actual bathing suits looked like? That's, I'm serious. I'm being serious. They, they did, but not ones that I would be caught dead in. But um, I'm saying like that. Like they were. If you went to the store and bought a bathing suit, did, it, then, ha- did it show at that did, time? Did that show belly button? Um, they were a little bit more revealing that, but not but not much. Not much. Yeah. Not, not much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it was a very boy, a very different time in television, in 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 the entertainment industry altogether, in every way. Did you did you, did that show come back after the, I, the show got canceled, but then came back? Because well, of no, they put me in another series after that, which was the Flying, Flying Nun. Yeah, yeah, which you didn't like. No, that was not fun. No, what? Ha- <laughs> <laughs> they were just dicks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean that. Uh, you know, is there's a lot of reasons, and it's like, how much time do we have for me to go? I could like we could spend days talking about the reasons why it was I torture. Would listen. I, I, you know, I was. I was I was going to be in 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 an angst situation no matter what because I was I was uh, nineteen twenty twenty one and heading into twenty I mean those are the years when you like going 
who am I? Why am I? And I was dressed as a nun. <laughs> and I was dressed as a nun. And mind you, it's the 60s. Everybody is dropping acid and eating granola and running around naked. Granola? Well, you know, it was like, you know, hippies. Did they ever explain why she could fly? I, you know what? Was it the hat? <laughs> I think it was the. It was, was the habit. habit. It was the hat. They yeah. said it was the hat. Yeah. You know, but my believe me, and, and then she was so little, and I am little, but th- th- she was so little, and the hat was so big that the, when the winds came up, it just lifted her up. But I was so depressed that I weighed eight hundred pounds by day four of shooting. So <laughs> the fact, you know, how they could get this, you know, that woman off the ground. The wind. Yeah, the wind. <laughs> Yeah. It's there pretty windy you, up there. There you have it. One of the reasons I was so depressed is because it's written all over his face. Right there. <laughs> hysterical. Look at his face. Just, <laughs> it was hard to be that for three years and be, and be yeah. you know, forming who you are in your head. This is who I am. And also realizing what I really wanted to be was, was an actor and this weren't it. And it, it was – and also media was much more segmented at that time. If you were a TV person, you were a TV person, yes. not a film person. And there person. you will die. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you started working with Strasberg. Yes. And that yes. is that and that kind of helped break you out of the TV. Well, no. I had to break I had to break out just by sheer I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna die. And literally I'm gonna slice my wrists and, and rub it all over your doorway. You know, I I just <laughs> I had to want it more than I wanted to. The wind will carry you there. Live. Yeah, really. <laughs> it was it was just a, a you know, it's those it's those moments. I, I really think that those moments, those times in your life when you feel you're in a deep dent ditch and you're never going to get out and you're, you're just you're, – it's what you do during those really down times that really inform who you're going to be the rest of your life and always do. They always are the times you get you know, creative. And um, so I just kept – Going, studying, and 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 quit doing tele. I stopped doing television. I tell I, I'm not doing any more television, folks. And I think I didn't work for. I had two little kids by then. I didn't work for like three years. Um, but you still were you completely freaked out? Oh yeah, I had just I'm selling it. I mean, I was like I was then reliving what my family had gone through all of their lives, where we were constantly repossessed. You know, we were like, woohoo. Stars, look at this. We've got four jobs in a row. Let's spend it all. And then they would come and get the house and the car, and, and we'd have to move. So you kind of went, Oh, I was always afraid that they were that that was going to happen to me. But how did you, how did I mean, like Showalter, because Showalter's background is you know, comedy, sketch comedy. No, it was a, one of the smartest sketch groups ever, the I state. Know. How did you guys, uh, at the time, did you ever feel like? Oh, I don't know if this is gonna work. Or oh my god, I mean, yeah, the state. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just but because that, that was such an that was the, an amazing time for comedy in '92 because the '80s comedy boom was over and this kind of alternative comedy movement mm-hmm. happened and the state was really surfing that. Mm-hmm. But there were not as many opportunities for traditional comedy on television at that point because no. they'd have been exhausted by the Completely. '80s. Yeah. No, I mean, we were. There was also no internet to make videos for there was no it was old school you know put on a show and hope to get discovered still um mtv was an interesting place to be as you know um and but we were like a band 
We, I think that like our our trajectory as a comedy group was much the way you see a band work, which was like constantly infighting, a lot of good ideas. <laughs> well, there were like eleven of you. There were eleven of us, all big personalities, all really ambitious. None of us ever set out to be in a sketch comedy troupe. It wasn't like what I want to do in my career is go meet a bunch of people and like be in a sketch group troupe and then get a TV show. It was, it was like, I want to go to college and I wanted to be like cinema studies guy. Like I thought I wanted to be in academics because that's what my family background is. And then I fell in love with comedy as a kid, but then, yeah, like we were like a fast burning candle is how I like to think of the state. We were really fast burning. But everyone in the state went on to do amazing things. Yes, like yes. every single person. Yeah. From that. And we pushed each other. We still, I think a lot of us owe our, us having still having careers to just how much kind of like family brothers, you know, a bunch of brothers competing, like, um, pushing each other and pushing each other to, to stay in the game and to, and to do good work and all that stuff. And so, you know, we're still all, in many different forms still working together. But I mean, I met Michael Black and Joe Lotruglio like the first week I was a freshman in college in 1988. Wow. And by the time this podcast is over, Tom Lennon will have written three more scripts. <laughs> <laughs> I got to wait. I got to get this done. Come on, man. I got to pitch this shit. And Ben, um, ben will have checked no emails. <laughs> um, <laughs> How are you, that, you, your relationship to comedy was always, it seemed like it was always important. But it also seemed like it was important for you to having to start branching off to not get typecast as just a, a comedy person. I don't think I ever fought against typecasting. I just fought to be able to do projects that were worth being a part of. Uh, so I, the typecasting wasn't part of it. That was, But certainly it went hand in hand because when I was trying to get away from projects that were rotten into projects that were good, you know, it it – led me out of uh, you know just being um, the 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 cute little um situation comedy girl and and as you got as i was transitioning into an older older person older and older but i love comedy and comedies you know i i love comedy i would i would if i had a druther it would be to to do what you know michael created in that it's everything you know it is both really comedic and clown-like um and then really dramatic i think soap dish is one of the best comedies in the history of comedy oh god thank you do you, you must people must st- that movie i saw it not that long ago and it aside from like um robert downey jr's shoulder pads the movie <laughs> completely holds up the comedy in the movie completely holds up <laughs> yeah oh that was that was you know a and great fun and just in inspired lunacy complete and an, un, an in, inspired lunacy i don't know if they make are there just like weird ensemble madcap movies anymore I, I feel like it's not everything's so kind of linear now yeah. and gritty and the, you know but that where you just had an ensemble cast of all amazing performers yeah. and you'd throw them together with a good, you know, with just like a good solid joke base. Yeah, joke. It was just, you know, one joke after the other. And every, it's, it's everybody is shot into space. You know, we're all on some sort of weird drug because, you know, the energy level is way up from, from the get go. It was exhausting, actually. I mean, when you're doing something like that or you, you essentially you just have to trust you trust the director, like, okay, I guess this is all gonna. I mean, do you ever act outside your comfort zone because 
you feel like, well, this is what they want, or do you? Or is there a push and pull? Like, I think I should do it this way. Um, it's really hard for me to go and commit to something that, in my core, doesn't feel that I, I can't find the land that it lives in. I find I find that very difficult. I've really then become so difficult to work with. <laughs> well, 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 what about when you were doing none? Well, yeah, that was. What was that like? It was it was hell. Um, but it wasn't hell because they were asking me to do things that were, you know, in a land that I couldn't, I couldn't arrive, like asking me to do emotional things. It was the nonsense. It was spouting utter and total nonsense all day long, every day, from b- before the sun went up till after the sun went down. <laughs> in a nun's habit. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't ever about anything human. Yeah. It was, you know, some robbers had come to the <laughs> island yeah. and, you know, yeah. we're going to take the thing. And then Carlos was going to yeah. do So what? Carlos? <laughs> yeah, yeah, never mind. You had to, had to have been there. Because <laughs> I, I, I definitely feel like I, I, you know, whether in almost any kind of thing, to, to do something that's not, that I don't believe in on some level is painful. Mm-hmm. It's excruciatingly mm-hmm. painful. Yeah. yeah. But that's why. Whether and- it's a right, whether it's a writer in the limited uh, experiences I've had as an actor to, to, to try to do work that you don't believe in it. Even it doesn't have to mean that it's, you know, shedding light on the human experience, but just that you believe in it. Yeah. You don't do that. It is, it is the, it's, I'd literally, I'd rather do something else for me. If it's going to be this, I would actually rather go do something else entirely or not do anything or not do yeah well no no no, i would go do like go be a try to try to go you know be a cop or something oh you mean a whole nother occupation a whole nother occupation not another project it's not worth it so you're playing a cop no i'm a cop (laughs) (laughs) oh in my mind i'm saying that that pain of do you know like i have an idealistic thing of like you know that I'm going to do something good. And so, and if it's not that, then I'll go do something else that could be good. You'll like make a, a living some other way. Yes. yes, and, but, yes, and, yes. And you just need to be happy. You just need to be happy. You need, you need to be able to look yourself in the mirror every day and go, I'm, I'm okay with what I'm well, doing. And then, I, and then on some level, what I'm doing has some value. Sure. Yeah. Of, uh, but, but from what perspective? Like what from, value? Of to, to some internal part of me that sure. thinks it has value. Can you see, see Showalter being a police officer? <laughs> I, I could be a, a detective. <laughs> I could be yeah, a you detective. could just be a detective. I could be a detective. <laughs> could I be a detective? I was in this really great sketch group. Sure. I want to wear a trench coat. A lot coat. of unsolved murders. I want to wear a trench coat and the hat and the notebook. I can see you being, being one of those police officers, those those, those cops that, that direct the traffic. They <laughs> Sally. Like this with their Sally. No, saying you're a good director. No, no. Let's, or, or, let's try to do She's taking a pot shot at No, me. I can't see you coming in with a gun and saying, no. everybody goes to I said I'm a detective. Okay. Well, even I'm, then, I'm an investigator. Even then, you have to investigate. I'm an investigator well, right. in a desk and a, a thing. No, I'm. I'm. No, you're in the field. I'm. Uh, what? I'm. What's his face from uh, Law and Order? The Lenny, uh, the tall. Uh, what's his name? Chris Nove. J- Jerry. Uh, Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach. All right. Okay. I want to be Jerry Orbach. So you're the gumshoe okay. with the, the loose tie okay. and snarky okay. comments. All right. All right. You're packing heat in all case right. you, you need it. You can do that. You're packing heat though, really, because yeah. sometimes I am it comes packing to that. heat. Yeah. I am packing it, heat. It does come to that every now and then, and you're ready for it. I am packing heat. Someone's gonna run. And um, I will, 
unpack my. So you would I... you so you would be the guy that would come in with the loose tie. You'd find a dead body in a in the meatpacking district. No, he like, doesn't find yes. it. He gets called in. He after gets called in. It. Yeah, exactly. He goes and in you and kind of mosey yeah. in, going, yes, "All right, yes, what's up yes. now? Yes. Get out of my way. Get out of my way." You see all the meat hanging in the dead body. You're like, "Who wants cheeseburgers?" Like you do that kind of stuff. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like I've seen it all. Yeah, you're saying like I've you're saying like I make a joke because I've seen it all. You don't blink. Nothing phases me. Nothing phases you. Yeah, but surely you must have. I mean. You, you, yes, I have, but please don't call me Shirley. <laughs> oh, because come on. Then I would, <laughs> Why would you? That's an old. What I the, know. Classic. I know, classic. I know. Show, Walter. You'll get back to your I'm desk and start sorry. solving those murders. <laughs> huh? These murders aren't going to solve themselves. You're and in take here that gun out making of your airplane pocket, jokes. Big boy. <laughs> but but I, but you must have. I'm sure you must have been on stuff when everyone's intentions were good coming in. Everyone had the best intentions. The script was great. Halfway through, you realize, yeah, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. No. Never? That's never happened? No, I've been on things that you knew going in, you are going to hate yourself every inch of the way, but you you need to make a living. So find a way to get through it, and it's just hell. Did anyone, did anyone ever death. surprise you when you went, you know, that actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to no. be? Okay. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Not a one person. Not even one teeny. No. Okay. Right. Maybe just a sag. <laughs> well, when when what 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 happened in between uh between none and having kids and then Sybil? Like what what broke that? I I um I I worked my way into because I, I wasn't even – no one had let me on a list. I couldn't get on a list to get in the door, much less get to the reading or get through the first meeting with the casting person. I couldn't get on a list. They didn't want me in the door. But um, a casting woman who knew who had knew a, a, an actress that I had worked with um, – and also I was working at the actor's studio all the time. And I was doing really kind of outrageous you know, I was doing the respectful prostitute at night, and I was doing the flying nun in the day. But, you know, <laughs> there were some years that went by here, but I kept—I was still working at the actor studio a lot. And I think at that time, the actor studio was really an interesting place here. There was so much, um, so many actors were coming out of it, and, and who were real, uh, really good actors um, at, at, who were working in film at the time. Um, and this was so. This was in the uh, '70s. Now we're already into like '75 and '76 and that those years. Um, and and what film was in, at that time was changing. And Easy Rider was coming in, and Five Easy Pieces, and all of that sort of they were they were pushing the envelope of what American film was, taking it out of that real glossy look of the early '60s and the late '50s, and into a grittier look of um, you know Alice doesn't live here anymore, and yeah. all of these things that were were coming out. Um, and Bob Rafelson had a movie, and the casting director had knew uh, an actress that I had worked with. And the actress had said to the casting director um, that you should, that they should let me in, that no one really knew what I was. And, but I went into the meeting and could hear Bob Rafelson yelling at the casting director from the other room that how dare she waste, her, waste, waste, waste his time with me. So how do you push through that? You get really frigging angry. <laughs> <laughs> and you and by then I had no, I had learned how to how to what the art of an audition was even though I had never been on a dig, an audition. I'd never been allowed. Only audition I'd ever been on was Gidget. <laughs> After that I was never allowed. And um so but I had trained then. I had I'd been working and I knew what the audition was and I knew how to harness that. I knew how to use that. I knew I knew what 
to do. I knew that, that they were never going to hire me. They had to think they were hiring the character. And they had to think that everything I had done before was just one heck of an acting job because really I was this little, you know, floozy girl from that worked in a gym that, you know, was really um, just a, 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 a really um, a girl that just couldn't wait to do all the things that the Flying Nun never thought of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had to be that character. I had to be that so it wasn't the audition and you go into a reading and then you take your moment and you read the scene. I had to be that 24 hours a day. And they thought, whoa, wait, this is really? And that's who the, that's who gives it the flying nun was? That? That's, that's surprising. Um, that is mentally exhausting. And mentally <laughs> exhausting and infuriating and exhausting. And so I did to do reading after reading and then finally got to read with Jeff Bridges, who's, who's in it. And, of course, adored him and, you know, and, and finally I knew how to do the work. And I had, I just knew I had to be su- surprisingly uh, better, but surprisingly, but surprising in every way. So when I first came into the first meeting that I had and the, I was being treated very much with disregard and, and you're not cruel, but they just weren't interested. And they'd done a lot of readings that day with a lot of other actors. And at the end of the day, like, when do we go? Okay, go ahead. You can do your reading now, you know. I, and the, I was reading with the writer who, who was the most god-awful reader. You, he, either he didn't care or he just was really that bad. So I, I put my... I threw my pages on the floor, didn't throw, just let them drop. And I walked over to him that was sitting in the chair next to me, took his script out of his hand, <laughs> and he was going, but, 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 and proceeded to straddle him. <laughs> I, I stood over him and sat down on him and straddled him and looked him directly in the face, and he's like going, and he's like going, whoa, whoa. And I, I, he said, I don't know the pages. I said, well, then fake it. <laughs> oh, man, you took over the room. I took over the room. And, um, of course, I'm the shyest human being. I am so that's really not how your meeting with Showalter went. It kind of, it kind of was the same thing. Okay. It was in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I got the role slowly but surely. Wow. And from that, I mean, I, I, did, you, did, anyone, did you guys expect Smoking the Bandit to be the crazy hit? That it was, or did you think like, well, people might enjoy this? No, it was like the number two movie of 1977 or yeah. something like that. Yeah, no, 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 no one did. No, it's the same did. year Star Wars came out. It must have been Star Wars and then Smoking the Bandit. Yeah, was it Star Wars that year? 77 yeah. was Star Wars. Really? Yeah. yeah. So what? Yeah, no, I no one knew. No one knew that. It was just you know, it was a, 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 a fluke, and and you, you just kind of. You know, it was a really quick shoot, and, and I guess in that way, you know, it, it was surprising because who knew what it was? But I didn't go into it thinking, oh, God, there was no script. I mean, literally, was imp- <laughs> we improved our way through the whole thing. And then Jackie Gleason would just come on and swear a bunch? and You know, yeah. I mean, it was kind of just <laughs> – but th- what wasn't improved is, is Hal Needham's brilliant stunts. I mean, Hal Needham was a great stunt uh, coordinator and he had been he was a great stunt man and then he became the stunt coordinator and he and he crafted all of these things and then he knew how where to put the camera and how to how to make it visible and and also how to protect his his stunt 
people. Um, he started Stunts Unlimited and all of that. And so you just, you know, you had these actors that just improv in a car, you know, three sets of cars and one guy's with a dog. The whole time. <laughs> Jerry Reed. Jerry Reed. And, and, um, and these just funny stunts, stunts that are funny. And, uh, you know, it just caught a, a moment. It was a weird moment in the 70s when, like, trucking mm-hmm. and trucker shows yeah. and trucker movies and Convoy and all that. And, like, you know, my grandfather had the CB radio and oh, everyone, yeah. like, Smoking the Bandit kind of yeah. broke all that main mainstream. Yeah. 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 Was your family into that when you were growing yeah, up? Yeah, I had a CB radio. Breaker, Breaker, one Breaker, nine. Breaker, one nine. Um, I think that all came from Smoking. I think it, I think oh, it did. Sure. It did. There was, there was a... Uh, I mean, getting being a kid and getting that CV radio was you were just reminding me of that was like that was like and you you know oh god yeah totally and now yeah. we just have these communication devices yeah, in our yeah. pockets all day. Yeah. in the yeah. old days and, you and needed remember, a remember handle. this thing remember this <laughs> yeah. thing you go buy a truck <laughs> and, you, <laughs> like that, and, and then, you pull your arm and then down. They, well and then they would honk their horn for you yep you know and like you know and it's like totally that was totally a smoky thing will they still do that. They yes, still, I think they must. They'll still do that. They'll still do that. That's still part of the trucker code. I'll let sure. you know today. Still part of the trucker code. For sure. But what is it that motivates you? What is it that kind of get, you know, like what is it that you're trying to do with each part? Is it is it an ex- exploration of yourself or is it a some uh, external thing that you're looking oh, for? Oh, it's an, it's a it's a conversation with myself. It's 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 you know, like Donald Trump, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, Will you please be president? Because yeah, really, I would love for I you really. to be president right now. It, it, it's, it's, it's a way to communicate with myself, with pieces of myself that I might not have, you know, looking for them in, in, a, in a craft and how I, you know, talk to parts of myself that I, that I don't communicate with normally. And, and it, you know, it really is a conversation with an audience, a faceless audience that, you know, to, to sound really bottling, but it, it is what keeps me from being isolated. When I'm doing that, I feel so connected to a conversation that, um, it's, it's hard to explain, but it, because I guess it is, it's what I do. It's my, it's my communication with the planet, with everybody. Does the entertainment industry get in the, it's such a, it's such an interesting business because it attracts artistic types, but then there's this other kind of weird political structure of the entertainment business that gets in the way. And that's also appropriate just coming out of the Oscars. But it's just such a strange – it's two things that are layered on top of one another that seem very strange. So did that – did the politics of the business and all that – any of that stuff and the awards stuff, I mean, is that is that just kind of like, ugh, I wish I could just scrape that out of the way and just do the work or do you mind that part? I don't – I try not to look at that part. I think what I do is I compartmentalize and I think I got very good at doing that being a little girl raised in the 50s when there were so many things you just weren't allowed to feel. But there are things that are human beings feel. You feel rage and you feel sexuality and you feel all sorts of things that, oh, no, 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 little girls don't do that. Um, so I think you you put them in boxes and hide them away in places all around your your interior house. Sure. And I I think I was good at that. So even from the beginning, I I put it all in a box and put a bow on it and tucked it away. So I didn't look at you know even that there was a finished product of things. Does it it had come out? You were forced to like 
have to see and feel what the what the reaction to things were. But you know, even as I got older and 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 was deeper into the business, I was able to just keep that. That's that, and there it is. And when I have to deal with that, I'll step into that and deal with it. But mostly, I just wouldn't look at it, wouldn't respond to it, wouldn't feel it. Does winning an Academy Award feel the way you think it's going to feel, or is it? Do you is there a depression afterwards? Because you're like, well, I don't know. What am I supposed to feel now? Like, or is it? Does it? Is it elating the whole time? How does it? It's better than a sharp stick in the eye. Sure. <laughs> um, it, it isn't that it's not anything. It's certainly something, and certainly you know feels. Um, you know, a, a great deal of, of accomplishment, especially for me, because it took me so long to get out of feeling that I was just a, a joke. But, but honestly, it 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 is all about that moment. You did a project um, that the work worked enough and caught enough of a wave in that moment of in the industry that it was recognized. Um, it doesn't mean that there weren't a whole lot of other films that could very well have been recognized or other performances. But these were the five. It used to be five and now it's ten or whatever <laughs> that were recognized and this is the one that won. So it, of course, felt incredibly rewarding at that moment. But it fades quickly because it's always about that moment. And the life is about, and most especially this industry is about, now what? Mm-hmm. Then what? Now, now, who are you? But life is about that. You can't hold on to what you were and what that was. That was. And that will inform who you will be. But that is not, that won't be anymore. I'm curious for Showalter, from a guy who, I mean, I always thought of the state as like, this is sort of a punk comedy movement, like punk rock for comedy. And it's the, it's not mainstream. It's, it's, you know, it, at the time we would say it was for the kids, you know, and I was the kids. Really? Uh, I was. Okay. I mean, we're, we're the same age, but oh, I was okay. in the MTV generation. Okay. I mean, like yeah, I, that yeah. would have, that show, mean, that yes, show was for yes, me. Yes. Yes. It was yes. not the traditional sketch comedy show. It was, no. and, and it was, uh, it was different in that way. And it spoke by, to me. By the people for the by people. By the people for the people. Yes, yeah, yes. exactly. So. How do you how would how do you handle kind of become like if you become super mainstream can you handle that or do you feel like you always kind of have to be a little rebellious a little punk a little you know will you be can you handle mainstream success Yeah I okay. think so <laughs> All right It's taken a long time you know it's I've 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 uh I've had a very circuitous route to um to having like a little more work than I'm used to having. Um, and, and I wouldn't say I've paid my dues, but like, you know, I've like thought about it a lot, you know, and I've, 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 um, trial through trial and error really honed in on like the kind of career that I'm pretty sure I want to have. And there's a version of, of success in a mainstream world that I could be, that I could participate in that could work for me. Sure. And I think I've fig- figured out a lot for myself just on a personal level, just, you know, dealing with personal life stuff to where um, maybe before I, I couldn't handle it and now maybe I can just in just the more of the way of to a lesser degree of what Sally's talking about with w- winning an Oscar, which is like if I won an Oscar, I'd like, you know, 
I can't say on the air what I would want to do. But, well, you but, can say anything. It's a podcast. It's you just internet. use your imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, oh, wow. It would be like... That's just really... What you would, wa- what you would want to do with the Oscar? <laughs> no, well, sure. It would be like... It would be like... I'd want to like... I don't know. I'd want to like... You know, it's, it's something I wouldn't even be doing, but I'd want to like... You know, like uh, Al, Al, Pac- Al Pacino and Scarface or something. You know, like yeah. a giant mountain of cocaine. And, right. And like, oh, a, you know, okay, and like a big... Kind of and like a And like a, you know, like a machine gun and just like... Rah! You know, like, um, uh, I hope you, someone you go with that gun thing in your pocket again. <laughs> yes, like... Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach. He just um, Showalter just wants to be famous enough so that it's not crazy for him to wave a gun around. <laughs> ah, that's Showalter. Yeah, I tell um, you what. No, and for what it's worth, I'm, I couldn't, I couldn't hate guns more for what it's <laughs> worth. But, um, but, uh, no, but, um, no, but like you have a little bit of success, and it's like, you know, you, you, I think I'm at a place now where, like, I could take that in stride. I take that in stride. I know that it's not that it, in the in the grand scheme of things, it, it it's it is like okay. So you know, I still gotta still gotta drive home in traffic and and deal with my family and my obligations and and that. So I feel like I'm a little grounded to where like I'm ready to like not need to be that rebellious punky kid that I was for a really long time. I mean, for Sally, the it, to to have the kind of career that you've had and continue to have and will continue to have, I mean, it really is just amazing thing after amazing thing that you've done. And, and I just – is that – are you – do you have a really strong sense of who you are and it's separate, kind of what you were saying, separate from all the film stuff and you're comfortable with yourself? Do you feel comfortable with yourself? No. Really? Uh, not, not, not totally. Um, I think I'm always working on feeling comfortable with myself. Some days, no, I, I, I'm always sort of like irritated. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'm really comfortable with myself. I, I, I don't even like the thought of it, really, because that means you will like be, you know. Ah. Are you saying that's what I said? No, he no, asked. No, I me. asked. But are I you insinuating that that's no, what I said? No, no, no. I don't okay. think you ever were. I would okay, never. You said you were. I'm paranoid. That you said I take I back was what hungry. I said. I take back what I said. <laughs> it's too late. That, I take it back. No, 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 it's too late. No, no we'll erase Words it. Words have power. I, he can erase. You can't it. erase, can erase from it. Sally Field's Wait brain. A minute. That, that I think that you said that you were no, comfortable. I'm with just. Well, do you think I'm comfortable with myself? No. Okay. Good. Judging by the fact by how many times you asked that question, I would say the answer is no. You're the most uncomfortable with yourself of any human being ever. I just think you know it's so it's so easy to spin off the rails. You know, particularly in this in the mercurial business, and you know, like you have ups and you have downs, and you have things that you spend a lot of time throwing your emotions into, and sometimes they don't pay off. And so, what 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 pulls you back and keeps you grounded? I guess is probably the better way to ask that question. Uh, uh probably if I'm I don't know what really. I mean, we have to really figure out what the word grounded means. But I think I'm because I'm so close to my children. They're they're such they've always been the my home. Yeah, that that was my safe place. And they, that's that outside world, and that can just like go there. And here I have all of them, and then that's and grandchildren, and so that's where I live. But also, I'm really a hermit. I'm very much like Doris in that. I'm I'm. Really antisocial. <laughs> you know, sort of o- notoriously. Oprah once said that. Um, I think it was Oprah who said this. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. She said that. She yeah, did okay. say that too. <laughs> um, that that you know, like success and fame will make you more the person that you already were. Right. So if you're like a jerk mm-hmm. and you get really famous and successful, you'll be an even bigger jerk. Yeah. 
<laughs> and if you're a good person and you get really successful and famous, you it forces you to be an even better person. Maybe, yeah. I guess I can see why that. I just I think, and I've found that to be true. Really, I think so. That 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 it, it, it yeah. You have to kind of step into the shoes that that you that you believe are the shoes that you should be wearing. I just I, I think there's a lot of like why are you doing it questions to be asked. You know, it's like if you're doing it for a lot of external reasons like well I want yeah. fame and I want success and I want money and I want all this stuff and I feel like that's a very disappointing path even yeah. if you get it because then it doesn't fix you but there's also people that are yeah. are legitimately narcissistic you know people are you talking about me see because that <laughs> that's what you did well there's oh, nar- minute, there's, see right see, narcissism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but there's so many I'm talking about like narcissistic personality sure. disorder to yes. where to where like you know you give that person the opportunity to like be that person and and it's a and it's a and then you're confronting that. I do. I, I think. I think. The, I think the business can be very difficult for for that reason because it doesn't sort of like you were saying. At a certain point, boundaries become a little less clear, and it's interesting because I feel you you had your kids fairly young, didn't yes. you? Uh-huh. Yeah, and so you had a support structure right. that you needed to pay attention to right. from a from a very early from, on. Yeah, from early on. And you and and it's fortunate that you recognize that because mm-hmm. even just having kids doesn't always make people awesome people. No, but it makes that you have to pay attention to these two little people saying, you know, when do we eat? Right. Um, and um, I, I was, I, I never really had a like, I was always somehow alone in it, you know, I was yeah. singly growing them all on my own. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it certainly changes your focus. And yeah. That, that becomes really where you're home and, 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 but I agree with you. you. You know, it really is about why are you doing this? Why have I been in this business for? You know, why have I been doing what I do by hook or by crook for for fifty fifty two years or going on fifty three or something? Um, and and it has to be because um, of of the being able to have the opportunity to act in in films and and anywhere in television or films or on stage, but certainly like Doris that is. Uh, that are gives me a place to do what I do, and it's if it's ever been about oh I want to be famous or I want to be rich, forget it. Then you're going to get crushed because mm-hmm. uh, that ain't going to happen. And if it does happen momentarily, it's not going to be there for long. Yeah. So is it? It is basically just a well. That's nice, but what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Y- yeah. Or or you know taking the downtime and and using it in a in a creative way what do you do in your downtime that's not i, I suffer <laughs> <laughs> do you are you a shark do you have to keep moving well i do i keep moving but it may not be in the in the kind of in the business sense you know i don't i don't keep moving because i'm like you know hustling and looking for the next thing i keep moving my kids would always say i never said i'm like sweeping and then i'm like doing the windows and then i'm saying what's to eat and i go i mean I'll, I'll do something do you have besides my name is doris and besides family and human things, mm-hmm. what's your favorite thing that you've done where you look back and you go, I am so happy that that worked out. Do you have a favorite project or a favorite thing or is it just what, shades? What would of, it be? 
I don't know. There's a million. Like I, vi- like I went out into the into the wilderness. No, no, no. I mean, movie, movie. One of your movies. One of your oh, movies. Oh, I thought you meant what thing out is of show business? Is it Forrest Gump or Steel Magnolias? No, I thought or you were it... saying what. Could thing be the blooper reel from Smoking the Bandit. And out of and not your not show business and not your kids. What thing have you done that you're most proud of? I'm going. Well, what would it be? I, I was saying know. outside of my name is Doris, which oh, okay. I'm sure in front of Michael you would say is your favorite thing. You know what? I don't know what my favorite. I really don't know what my favorite thing is. I I, I couldn't. I couldn't pick. I wouldn't pick. I can't. I mean, I couldn't say that. I, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know. I absolutely don't know. Well, we can eliminate the flying nun. <laughs> I think we can eliminate that. <laughs> and probably beyond the Poseidon, we can eliminate that one. <laughs> so we've got two off the list right there. We're right off the list. She has, I think, over 60 IMDb credits. Or so. It's, 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 so now but that's that's... Two down. That's two, two down. down. Sixty to go. Yeah, but so I, I imagine that everything must have some sort of a piece that's edifying in some way. But they're all do they all feel different? Does every project feel different, or does it all feel like oh, this is a familiar? It's a, this it's this thing again, or is each one unique? It, it you know it depends on the caliber of the of the, of the project and the and the work atmosphere and, and all of that. Like we've said, you know those there's those moments where you get you know you you do something because you know you well I've got a okay, this, I can make this work and, and you know you're going to get a paycheck. Okay, I guess I have to do it. And from day one, you think, how the holy hell am I going to get through this? I mean, how am I going to make it? And you you know, you know, make calendars in every room to cross off the day, cross off the hours, <laughs> doing that crossing off. I have things where I literally cross off the minute, okay, we haven't done another half hour is done, where you just like, your life is like, die, you're dying here. You know, there's those experiences. But the, the ones that are, you know, that I, that I will always cherish, and certainly Doris being one of them, it's almost like it doesn't matter that there's a, that the, that there's a film after it. it. It's like, wait a minute, we get to have a movie too? It was like we had this little time together. We had this little voyage. We went on a voyage for three weeks and three days. Um, and that was the... That was what I got. I got... That was my 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 time. And... Then you go, oh, there's a movie now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now we gotta, we have to support this because maybe no one will see it and then it will die and maybe that experience will will be criticized for being not a good experience. But you you hold you know you hold these and I've been lucky enough to have several uh, experiences of making something, making a film um, that was worth worth the experience of doing it even. Whatever the film was, and so that's ultimately how you decide. You just get that feeling when you read something. Mm-hmm. This is going to be worth my time. This is a human enough of a thing, yeah. That is important to me. Something clicks inside of me. Something. It's something. Were you nervous the first day you guys worked together? Yes. <laughs> and as the director, you're supposed to know what the hell's going yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, the first day is always weird, anyway. Um, because you're, you, all you're all nervous and it's like the, that first time when you do that first take, you're like, wow, we just you, you're really free fall. Like, oh, my God, we're making this movie now. It's happening. And um, we, we shot a, some some difficult stuff on that first day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, add to how nervous you are just to be directing a movie at all. And then that the person that you're directing is, is her. Um, very nervous. But. Um, 
you know, you get through it. And Sally was, you know, we, 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 we'd already kind of gotten to know each other a little bit. And so it was, it was like, we were, we were already kind of, I kind of knew a little bit about how she worked and what her, what, you know, how this was going to go and everything. But yeah, I was nervous. We were already linked. We we were, were but I was nervous too. You know, we talked about it. I was like, "Ah." well, it was the first time you'd worn the, put the the clothes on with the, with the character land. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the first time you'd really been been her. Yeah. Like I, I see, you know, that's that thing, you know, like it was the first time we'd actually seen the character. Like we, we'd, we'd, We'd kind of done it. We had done the little rehearsal-y kind of things and and with the script and kind of a little bit of feeling or feeling it around. But this was like, this is the character now. And it's a pretty intense moment when you go, wow, there she is. There's Doris. She's over there sitting on the couch. And I can only imagine what that must have felt like for you. Okay. When I say I can only imagine, I mean I can't imagine. What I meant to, <laughs> what I meant to say was I can't only imagine or I can't imagine. Uh, when you, is that a question? Sure. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, you, you know, it's the, the the intense concentration. You know, that sort of self hypnosis place you put yourself in as an as an actor to to arrive someplace that isn't really you, and and to also um, you know harness all of the things that are you and and put them out of the way. You know, physicality and things to to try to have Doris's rhythm and Doris's personality. It's just, you know, then you wake up at the end of the day and, like, slap yourself. Oh, hello, I'm back, I'm back. It's just huge, you know, that intense concentration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Are you in that character the entire time? Like, like when you go home or do you, like, can you leave it at the door like a job? No, it, 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 you have to sort of hang on to it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have to – and you kind of hang on to it all, all day and how you, however you are. Just you, you try to hover there. And, and it was always hard for me because early in, 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 in my life, it was new that actors would act like that. So I'd have to try to hide it because then they would think I was, there was something wrong with me. I was <laughs> mentally. And at one point, like on Sybil, when I was like that, they, and I was on the streets of New York, and someone called the police that there was a crazy woman standing outside of their s- store. And we were like getting ready to shoot. And I was standing outside of the store sort of going like that, you know, sort of, you know, bobbing back and forth, concentrating on the character, being, being the character. And the people in the store called the police. Oh, my God. There's a, there's a very strange homeless person out here. And going, that was kind so, of your first award. So it's like, hi. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, we're doing. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. You'll see. No, I really. And, and the AD had to go tell him. Tell him to to back off because I couldn't get out of my character enough to say uh, to be anybody but Sybil at that moment. So obviously, so Sybil has a very strong hook. Doris has a Doris has a hook. You know who she is. But when you get a role, it's like I always wonder, like the 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 Aunt May Parker characters of the world. Where yeah. It's like, well, she's a sweet lady. Yeah. Well, what about her? Well, she's a sweet lady. Yeah. You know, like the characters without a real obvious mm-hmm. obvious yeah. hook. Do you like that challenge? No. Or- no, that was that was hard. I I was really there. I loved Andrew just to pieces. Loved him, but I was really there because um, my first producing partner was Laura Ziskin, mm-hmm. and I loved her. And we made Murphy's Romance together. It was mm-hmm. her first film, and um, then she went on to do just gobs of stuff and be a very important woman uh, in the industry. And we knew this was going to be her last film. She was dying of breast cancer, and she had fought. Uh, hell of a fight and at the same time really raised 
uh, she was a hero. She'd raised all of this money and brought these research doctors together, demanding that they talk to each other when the doctors were competitive with each other and wouldn't bring their research all together to try to, you know, combat this horrible thing, which is breast cancer. Um, and we knew that it had come back and that she was not going to win this time. And she asked me, she called me and said, we're doing, we're making Spider-Man again. Um, and we, would you be Aunt May? And I, I was doing a television series at the time. I was doing Brothers and Sisters. And I said, yes, I'll be there. I didn't read the script. I didn't know what it was. I didn't care what it was. I, I, I needed to be there. And I, and I was. So that, and so every day was fine. Yeah. And I got to work with Andrew. Yeah. So it was fine. Better than fine. I got paid. You did, yeah. But you also did that. You also did something for your friend, which was yeah. And so I was super glad to be there. So as we're sort of winding this down, um, first of all, everyone should know that uh, my name is Doris. Opens eleventh, uh, but wide March eighteenth. Yes, your wider March. Yes, 18th. yes, yes. Do you have any kind of any last nugget of wisdom that you can leave with people? Just something. I mean, as someone who has. Just hearing all the stories of like, you know, you came up against this wall and you figured out how to get around it. You came up against this and you got angry and you yanked the pages out of the... <laughs> like, what is it? What's the fire in your, you know... I think my manager would call that the fire in the belly. Like, what, what's your fire in the belly? Like, how do, you, how do you keep pushing through and pushing through and pushing through no matter what? I think the real question is how do you quit pushing through for me? I mean, how do I... How do I how do I just say, oh, okay, that's enough. That, that's fine. Thank you so much. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not really sure what's next, even though I kind of know what's next, but I'm not telling you what it is. <laughs> um, Please. I know, I know. Okay, I thought um, that would work. No. I gave puppy dog eyes. No, no, it didn't, no. no. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't know. I just, I'll just keep going until, until the, the flame dwindles and I decide to you know, sit down. And, um, or I just can't find a spot to put myself anymore. I mean, it's clear that that would only happen if you just didn't want to do stuff anymore. Well, if you're that's like, well, that very nice. Isn't of you. fulfilling anymore? Or you didn't want to do it anymore, or whatever. Well, that's very nice. I keep saying we ought to do Doors too. I'm yeah. saying mm-hmm. she goes to Paris and exactly. goes to catwalk. <laughs> doing, I'm, I'm writing it as we, the, we're writing it as we speak. The designer's finder. Yes. She's, yes. she's she's the but then but then head, it goes to head her head. Girl she gets very successful. Doris is such a great character. I think you should do a series of films that I'll explore. Each sequel is a different genre. So there's like a horror. Then there's a sci-fi Doris. Then there's an action Doris. Doris gets marooned and on Mars. You mean yes. Yes, well, I'd like to do with Doris what we did with Wet Hot, which is we get <laughs> we get Sally and Tyne Daly and <laughs> Caroline Aaron's, and we go to Netflix and we do we do a sequel on Netflix. That would be fantastic. Is there a genre that you haven't? Is there a genre that you would like to do more of? Uh oh, I yeah, you know, I've never really done any 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 horror stuff. I don't really like. I won't know that I want to do, but I do really good horrors beyond belief. Good. Yeah. I mean, please. Alien and all of that. I mean, that's hard. I mean, it couldn't. I, I, it's my favorite thing. I love, uh, you, you know, the Hitchcockian sort of. I would like to do Gothic Hitchcock. I've never done that kind of sort of stuff. I mean, period. But except for Mary Todd, she was pretty Gothic. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It. it I, I, <laughs> Mary Todd anything. Lincoln was pretty Gothic. Yeah, wasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she was a dark character. Yeah, she was. <laughs> it's a very dark character. 
But, uh, well, you've both been amazing. And I'm very proud of you, Michael Showalter. Thanks, and I hope Chris. that doesn't sound arrogant. Thanks, Chris. But just, it's one of my favorite things, and maybe you feel this way too, is like when you start off with people mm-hmm. and you notice, like, oh, there's that, oh, there's those people, oh, I like them. And then you kind of see when you get to be in the business for a little while and you see like, oh, you're doing great and everyone's – it's kind of nice. It's it is? That's unusual. Really? Because there's a lot of people that go, if, they, if, he's, if he's achieving something, it means I must be losing something. No, yeah. those people are horrible. Well, I have a resentment. People. I have a resentment towards you because I've done At Midnight twice mm-hmm. and, I've, and I, I go on knowing this is going to happen. I'm always and you got eliminated. First, both times. I tried. Like know. I'm that guy. You need I'm to- the guy – I'm the guy that gets eliminated for something. Can I tell you? There's the, the, the trick to at midnight is I've the been buzzer. I've told the trick. It's the buzzer. The buzzer, the game show element of that show really works. If you, if you lean on the buzzer and you get answers in faster, that's the trick. The last time I did it, I really felt like emotionally defeated. Be like, ref. Yeah, huh? I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> well, like, you can come back on. And, and give it an, And can you rig it? <laughs> yeah, I'll you, rig it. Can you rig it so that I at least make it to the next, to the like, to the like yes. showdown round? Thank yes, you. I promise Thank the next you. time you come on that we will, we will, <laughs> it'll be we, rigged. We will, we will do that, that. we will do that thought. for you. <laughs> no, it won't be rigged. It'll just work out well for you. Okay, good. good. All right. <laughs> just say that. It's not rigged. It's just, you, it's just the universe is smiling on you. Uh, Sally Field, Michael Showalter, thank you for being here. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Um, And thank you. Thank you, Chris. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by The Bronze. The Bronze. A film calling... Sorry. A film starring Melissa Rauch, Gary Cole, Thomas Middleditch, Sebastian Stan, Cecily Strong, and Haley Haley Lou Richardson. The Bronze opens everywhere on March 18th, only in theaters. Go see it. The Bronze. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us in Pura. Promised to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pure. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.